DM Finn's sitting alongside DM Nick. Hi, everybody. And DM Will. What's up? DM Matt is uh, absent again this week. He's helping out a friend. So uh, we'll just wish him best of luck, and he'll be back next week. Anyway, so uh, what's been going on? Uh, Gaming-wise, I've been playing in my uh, face-to-face group every week. And uh, actually, I've taken the first edition group, and we split off, and we're playing, like I, I think I spoke about it last week, we were playing BX now instead. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I introduced the group to BX, and they were for first they were kind of confused. Like, what do you mean a dwarf or an elf or a class? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's a class. So they're actually kind of really enjoying the fact that they have it. And uh, two new people joined the group, so uh-huh. now I have a total of uh, uh, five, six players during the campaign. So, and then uh, we had a fun session this week that ended ensued in a bunch of hilarity. The uh, <laughs> The characters wound up going into this cave to find out the, uh, the what was plaguing the water source, and then they finally defeated the source of it. But they had uh, captured, they found a dire weasel in there, and they killed it, which almost killed the party. And the dire weasel, they decided to bring it back to town and resurrect it so they can keep it as a pet, which I don't understand what the point of that was. But <laughs> So they had built a cart with a cage around it, so they were going to pull the weasel around with them and feed it and try to get it to like them. But they didn't have enough gold to build the steel or in the cart. The blacksmith was telling it was a thousand gold. So they started pimping out the woman elf in the party. No way. Yes. <laughs> this this poor guy's wife shows up to play in the game. Probably her second time playing the game there. She played first edition a couple weeks ago. The second she goes to play basic. And her first experience was the group pimping her out to, uh, oh my God. to, to use services to repay for the debt that they couldn't. How old are these people are playing? Uh, they're probably in their twenties, and oh, okay. Uh, well, well me, well, the re- the other person, part of the group, was probably in their thirties. So, so yeah, it was good. It was yeah. She was she she rolled along with it and laughed, and she she said she had a lot of fun at the end. So, you know. Anyway, what about you, Nick? Um, Slil, I have my uh, regular gaming group. This past uh, weekend, we did. The Hackmaster version of Temple of Elemental Evil. Oh, cool! The Temple of Existential Evil, eh, yeah. which we've been we've been rolling along on that. And uh, typical of my group, they learn they basically break the adventure. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> which in in this case, they went from the first level of the dungeon, which they almost they pretty much almost all cleared, and they were able to get a whole bunch of magic items basically over in the, I believe, well, in the original was the Earth Temple. This one is some other thing, but very similar. They were able to get all those um, magic items where the uh, the Earth Elementals are. In this one, they're like flesh golems. But uh, they're able to get the whole bunch of magic items in the in the in that temple area. Then they went to 
basically went from the first level to the third level. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> they found this. Well, okay. Spoiler alert, everybody. Oh. You, <laughs> spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. They, they discovered the tunnel in the tower outside of the temple, which leads to one section of the third level. And they went there. They were able to disbelieve the uh, the red dragon illusion because they were they they did something smart. They had a magic item with locate object. They were locating dragon poop. What? The they locating dragon poop. Locating. They couldn't find any dragon poop. Therefore, the dragon was not real. So <laughs> I guess that's inventive. Sure, I thought that was pretty darn inventive. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, works for me. I'll go with it. Oh yeah, I'll give it to you. So they dis they successfully displayed the red dragon illusion. They went in there. They ran into the to some uh, one big baddie fighter thief half orc, um, it <laughs> which had a ring of spell turning with five invisibility spells on it, but um. One of the characters had an, uh, um, an, a magic sword, and one of the things it could do was locate gems of type and quantity. Yeah. The fighter thief, right? even though it was invisible, had this belt with jewels on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and he's, uh, in fact, it was the paladin. He's like, oh, he says, where do you think you're going? <laughs> And the mage in the party goes, Web spell. Web's the guy in the corner. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool because they trapped the uh, mage in the other room with the web spell. He couldn't get out, and they were able to, like, oh, and hilarity ensued. It was just, and they found the big MacGuffin, the orb of elemental thingy, the, 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 the orb of elemental MacGuffin. So <laughs> I forget. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. But yeah, it was really fun. I had a good time, and uh, we'll get together sometime after Christmas. Oh, you tired, Nick? You know, long night. Yeah, well, you know, we were we game. We normally don't have a game in December, but yeah. this was a uh, we had you know enough people to show up, so we gamed la- uh, last night. It was great. I had a good time. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Will? What about me? Uh, what about me? What about me? What about me? Oh, did a lot of board games uh, this week. Just, you know, just playing tons of board games. This is a season for board games because board games are usually the biggest sales at the gaming store. So I've been demoing a lot of board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished uh, my One Pathfinder group, uh, finished Rise of the Ruin Lords with disastrous results. They were killed by Karzog, the, the big boss at the very end of the last <laughs> module. They just uh, underestimated his ability and. Uh, which just goes to show you can play a D20 game, whether it be Pathfinder or 3.5 or 3.0, and you can have all the greatest things in the world, but all you got to do is fail one save and throw and it's over. Yeah, true. And uh, true. for three people, exactly what happened. They each, it, it was shocking. The first guy failed the save and throw, got uh, turned to stone. Was he got turned to stone? Hey, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, two, one person rolled a one, the other people rolled twos, and they fell the saving throws, and they died instantly. Oh, man. Uh, Karzog, yeah, Karzog is a nasty foe. He's the big boss of the last module. He's the guy that they're supposed to defeat. He's a rune lord. He's the rune lord of greed, and uh, they couldn't uh, defeat him. And this is six people. All of them are 19th level. Wow. They're, 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 they're up to their teeth in magical items, spells, 
I mean, they, and half of them were prepared for the fight, but it just was not good enough. You, you got to make saving throws, and even with all the bonuses they had and all that other crap and everything, they failed to save throws. Three died because of spells, and uh, it just it is what it is. So we ended that campaign on Friday. Uh, so. Huh? You know what it is. So now they're on to move on to another campaign. So it's like this. They said, well, let's do this all over again. Nah, I said, no, we don't do that then. <laughs> you died. You failed. The game is over. Karzog lives. <laughs> How is... So, oh, yeah, I mean, okay. that's how it has to be, though. Yeah, it's understood. I was thinking so, about taking Second Darkness from uh, Pathfinder and converting it to Basic to see if I could do that. Second Darkness is an interesting campaign setting. I'm not going to reveal too much about it and everything. Yeah. Uh, I am pleased to say that it's the only set of modules in the entire series, which where you can, uh, uh, where you actually don't have to have good characters. No, it fits perfectly with my group, skinning what they're doing. So, so we'll do that uh, anyway. So let's uh, head on to things. Um, Nick, do we have any stars we want to read this week? Yeah, we got uh, some five-star reviews this week. We got three of them. And just to remind everybody, you could go over to iTunes, type in Roll for Initiative over at the iTunes store, and you could track us down from there. You could get all the – you could download the podcast from there. You could subscribe, and uh, you can give us some reviews. And now so, um, most of the iPhones and the iTouches and the iPads have that podcast app now. Yep. So you don't even yeah, – That's cool. Yeah, you don't even need things special anymore now. Sweet. So we had how many reviews? Three? We had three new reviews, and we got right. our first one from Giada the Lovely. <laughs> Giada the Lovely? Giada the Lovely. Oh, Giada. Said, oh. Giada, Giada the G- Lovely. You mean Giada de Laurentiis? Ooh. I, well, she's definitely lovely then. Yes. <laughs> and she says, great show, five stars. It says, hey, guys, great show. I love everything you've been doing so far. I have no complaints as you keep me laughing and entertained each week, and you do it for free. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of time to put on a podcast that sounds great. You guys have done a wonderful job in doing so. I decided to write a review after I saw the last review on here by the butthead who attacked Nick and Vince. <laughs> <laughs> wow, talk about high school. No, wait, junior high crap. <laughs> oh, she Apparently, said that? Oh, oh. oh, I thought you said that, Nick. She said no, that? No, she says this. Oh, geez. Oh, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. No, okay. Apparently that person has nothing better to do in their life to pick on the way people say things or how he feels about them. To that moron, these guys do it for do this for free. <laughs> you have a problem with how Nick talks or how Vince isn't your favorite person and to others who pick on Will, I say don't listen or fast forward or just plain go away. All in caps. <laughs> there is no room in the world for people who try to cyberbully and use this tool on iTunes as a place to vent as if it is a blog or something. This spot is for giving fair and honest reviews, not attacking people and putting them down personally because they have a personal vendetta against the people who take time out of their lives to produce a free product. Thanks, guys. Giada, you are now my favorite person. You yeah. get 100 experience points. <laughs> that was very you nice. Get, you minus 50 experience points because I'm supposed to be your favorite person and no one takes my place. Uh, it's Giada, dude. <laughs> nah, I'm good with that. And you know what? It's so funny. If it's Giada De Laurentiis, I'll be like, yay. No, listen to this, though. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what happened this week at the gaming store. And, you know, this is something that really just irks me sometimes with the with the gamer community. Yeah, and she, she, hit the, she hit the point right on the head about maturity and childishness and, and all the other crap. Right. All it came down to was, and it's funny because remember how we talked about Hackmaster? 
Yeah. And we kind of got flack on Hackmaster. Yeah. 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 Okay, so this guy comes in, he buys that brown special book of Hackmaster, costs sixty dollars or whatever it was and everything. So I said to him, Oh, that's oh, the interesting. New, the new version of the game? The new version of the game. Uh-huh. So I uh-huh. said, That's interesting, I'm glad you're buying that. And I said, By chance, uh, how do you like it? He says, Oh, I absolutely love it, I love it, I love it. And he's talking all these great praise and everything. I said, Well, how many times have you played it? Oh, I haven't played it yet. How do you love and I'm it? Thinking now? Like, what? How can you love it if you haven't played it yet? Oh, is it not the same game? No, it's not. And he says, well, I'll still love it anyway. I said, whatever. I'm just glad he spent $60 and bought the doggone thing. <laughs> uh, well, that's I, just a, I don't understand people with that mentality. That's How can it be so of, great if you never played it? That's kind of No, I think he thinks it's fourth edition. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I lost my mind. Oh, um, well. Yeah, he's in for a big surprise. <laughs> well, I told him that it was the new edition, that it was not the one with the parody and everything. He says he knew that. Okay. Well, you just said you loved it, but you haven't played it yet. I'm just trying to understand the logic, and I can't get that. You, oh, yeah, my goodness. You, you can't, you can't but love anyways, it without playing it. That was a great, great yeah. uh, review there and everything. I appreciate it. I, I find it awesome. You know, people are going to talk about me. I mean, let's face the facts. We're all not going to get along in this world. Everyone thinks they're more important than the others. I mean, let's just face it. That's just the way life is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd be called a cyber bully before because the way I talk and everything. I don't consider myself a cyber bully. I like to challenge people. And if you take that as cyber bullying, well, then you know what? It, just like you said, you're a doggone child. Go well, play with your blocks. That's because you're a Marine. That's why. You, you, well, no, no. You're a regular no. bully. <laughs> I am a firm believer that if someone has a problem with you, instead of hiding behind the anonymity of the net, just meet the person in, you know, in, in person like we did back in the old days. If you've got a problem, talk to me. All right. Uh, our second review comes from DM Wannabe. I think I've seen him on the forums. Yeah. DM Wannabe. Yeah. I think he just joined him. And he says, brought me back into the fold five stars. And DM Wannabe says, I started playing D&D back in the early 80s. After graduating from high school, my playing group split up, and I never thought I would crack a DMG again. Fast forward 25 years, and I stumble upon the, this podcast. This is really top-notch podcast with interviews of industry giants, professional recordings, and decades of gaming experience. Wow, he makes it sound really good. Yeah, <laughs> this these guys run games at conventions. They review new RPGs and board games. They're not the some. They're, they're not some kid with a mic and a player's handbook. Technically, they have several PHBs. That's true. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> the point is, if you're reading this review, looking for that one podcast that will take you back to your youth, back to a time when you and your friends sat around the table drinking Mountain Dew and eating Cheetos while you were conquering the world one goblin at a time then this is the podcast to download. Don't just listen to one. Go back and listen to them all. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> I don't 100 think, experience points for DM Wannabe. I don't think Mountain Dew was <laughs> around back then. Cheetos? No, not Cheetos was, but I don't think Mountain Dew was. Oh, heck yeah. Was it? Mountain Dew? Heck yeah. I don't remember drinking Mountain Dew back then. I remember drinking Mountain Dew back in the 80s. Oh, heck yeah. Mountain Dew's been around since, like, the 60s. Has it? Okay. I didn't remember. Yeah. I never, never remember drinking it, though. Um, and our last one comes from JB105. Wait, 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 wait. What? What? Wait. What? What? You, no, no, no. Let's go back to DM Wannabe. I like that guy. Oh, so do I. <laughs> Let me tell you why I like DM Wannabe. I believe he's a Marine, too. He's a former Marine. Okay. Oh, I'll see. There we go. Bias. Let's give you a heads up. Okay. <laughs> now I can do the next one. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Just had to throw that in there. Okay. Oh, and just to let you know, the Mountain Dew formula was invented in the 1940s. Oh, okay. 
Oh, wow. okay. He's you, taking um, in for a DM Matt while he's gone. <laughs> he's acting like almost producer yeah. stuff and trying to find things. But our last <laughs> one is JB105, and he says awesome and five stars. And he says, great, great, great. I started playing RPGs when D- with D&D 3.5 10 years ago and just started getting into AD&D first edition. This podcast is really good for people like me trying to learn new things about this game. I just started on issue one, and I'm quickly catching up. I can't get enough of this show. Mr. Gygax would be proud. Wow. Very high praise, Mr. JB105 or she or yep. whoever. You get 100 experience points, too. <laughs> wow! Like so you want to be just five hundred experience points? Oh, jeez! <laughs> He's got a lot of issues to catch up on. I mean, <laughs> that's why we're at one hundred five officially. But after all the special inserts and the Gen Con specials that we did, it's more like one hundred and twenty. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so have fun with that. But yeah, listen to him when he can, and glad to hear from everybody on iTunes. And uh, that's all of our star reviews for the. This week. Awesome. And Excellent. let's head into some Sage Advice. Sage Advice. Sage Advice this week has been brought to you by DM Will. Me? Nah, I'm just kidding. Sage I, was, advice. I don't got nothing to say. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> For once, you mute your mic, all right? No, I'm kidding. Thank you. Okay, okay, mute. Oh. <laughs> uh, you can <laughs> say advice. You can write to us RFI staff at gmail.com and ask whatever question you need, and we will try to answer it on the show. Generally, we read almost every email. If not, we just try to answer them as quickly as possible if we feel the person needs an answer right then and there. RFI staff at gmail.com, or you can call us at 570 865 4210, the hotline. That's <coughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Cough. Yeah, hotline cough. Right? I'll say never to cough on here. To mute it when you cough, but there it goes. Call the hotline. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Uh, first email comes from Turco, and he says, Hey, fellows. After, after my group and I are done playing for the evening, as the DM, I hang on to their character sheets. I've seen a lot of DMs do that. Between adventures, I'll go over the character sheets and sometimes get rid of items if I think they have too much crap. The reason for this is that we play a pretty much loose game and we're just have there to have fun. But I at least want to try to maintain some semblance of reasonable encumbrance. And if the characters just start correct collecting a bunch of useless stuff, things are going to get ridiculous really quickly. I don't mean I'll get rid of things like magical items or weapons, but it's more like, okay, the thief has been carrying around a bag of rocks and a velvet curtain for the last four adventures, and she hasn't done a thing with them. I'm going to hand wave it out of the adventure somehow, and then I'll just erase it off the character sheet telling the player it was lost somehow, used, or stolen between adventures. As a DM, am I completely wrong for doing this? Yes. Is there a better way I can <laughs> is there a better way I can rein in the player's collecting habits without having to worry about keeping track of encumbrance yes. down to the gold piece? Nick says yes. We usually don't get together that often and don't have much time to play, so I don't want to bog down our game time with this during the session. I also don't want to just tell them, no, you can't pick that up. No, you can't take that with you. It's just easier and faster for me to just get rid of things between adventures. Thanks for your advice. Turco. Well, 
What was he saying? Now, what was he asking that he was doing wrong again? Because I was confused on what he was saying. What he's, was he saying he was doing wrong, or is he asking what he was doing wrong? What was he doing? He's basically during event during the sessions, like he has a couple. Say he plays every two weeks or so. Okay. He takes the character sheets. He goes over them, and if he sees something like, the, for example, the thief carrying a bag of rocks around, he erases right. it off the character sheet. And then no. the player says, well, where's my bag of rocks? He said, oh, during that encounter with such and such, they fell on the ground. Or somebody no, stole it from me. not. Yeah, I know. Let Nick go first because he's... He no, just- no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cool with that either. I, you know, it really doesn't bog down game time. I, I, I know one way. What's the one way? That you can like, well, they want to carry all the stuff. They're going to have to put it in things or have to somehow carry along. Well, whenever they're in a town environment or when opportunity presents itself, this is a good opportunity to sell these things, to find containers to put them in, you know, to buy, you know, carts or wagons, um, horses or mules to pull these said carts and wagons. It's another good way to have them spend money. It's also... If your players are picking up things that are just silly, say, why are you picking that up? Do you really need that? That's, yeah. what, I, that's what I do. I mean, when players are like, I take the chair. I'm like, why? why? Oh, because we're going well, to bring it back to town and sell it. Okay, so once you get to town, you're selling it and getting rid of it. Yes. All right, then take it. Oh, yeah. My, my gaming group, my regular gaming group is notorious for, you know, if it's not... Even if it is bolted down, they're going to find a way of snatching that thing out of the dungeon and bring it along with them. That's why every time when they get a when the, every time they play, first thing they do, one of the first things they do when they're in a town, city, wherever, they're buying a wagon or a cart with some sort of of animal to pull said cart. So whenever they get a whole bunch of stuff out of the dungeon, they load it on the cart. And they take it back. And they open up Bob's discount furniture. Well, they sell it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. They either sell it all and they're going to say, you know what, this is going to look really good in the castle or keep that we're going to have in the future. I'm <laughs> like, well, that's if you survive. But, hey, you know, know drag one, this chair one can dream, right? <laughs> Thinking about his future. Okay. Well, why don't you just worry about that next encounter against, like, an OTUG or something? How about that? So, oh, geez, yeah. But, yeah, I, that's one of the things they could do. They want to they take a lot of this crap with them. They're going to have to find containers and ways to bring it with them. That's a good way to have them spend their money. Yeah. So... I don't know, that's one way. I wouldn't just, like, arbitrarily erase stuff out there. I, that's that's just not me. Just, I mean, but if, yeah. he, if, they, if he doesn't have a problem of the players with him doing that, then, you know, go ahead and do it, man. But that's just, that's not my, that's just not my bag, man. You know, I'm not, that's not, it's not how I do it. You know what I'm saying, man? You can always have uh, monsters during during battles snatch things from characters too. Yeah, I mean the Cobalt yeah. will see will say uh, maybe he sees a shiny thing out of the bag and goes ooh grabs it and runs. Yeah, and he also brought up like encumbrance. I don't do the whole encumbrance thing. I you know I, I just use a little common sense. I'm like you're not going to carry around a bag of rocks and full plate mail shield and. A- and a bastard sword, and you're carrying around 5,000 gold and copper pieces. Just not going to happen. You know? <laughs> Let's use some common sense here. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, there you go, Turco. Uh, let's see here. Last email comes from John B. He says, I'm a new listener, and I'm a new listener and a new AD&D player. I love the show, and I'm trying to catch up. 
I just heard a show where DM Nick was talking about the Underdark setting. Gee, that's two uh, weeks in a row. Another Nick. one. <laughs> yeah. I need, in capital letters, to take a look at this. Okay. <laughs> Is there any new details about it? Also, DM Vince, I like your mazes and perils. Well, I guess he's the only one. Well, keep up the good work, and thanks for the good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, new details. Again, I will say nothing particularly new as of yet. I hope to, over the Christmas break that I'm going to have, talk with my friend Jeff, see if we can come up with any more stuff. Uh, uh, any new stuff, some other things that we could flush out that we already have. Yeah. And, and like I said before, I think we, I, if, if it wasn't last show or the previous one, there might be some legal issues with particular monsters that we, we use. I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. So yeah, we'll get cracking. People are begging for it. I know it's crazy. I, didn't, I honestly didn't expect such a great response. So, um, I'll let my friend Jeff know, and um, I can't promise anything, but I'll we'll do our best, and okay. I'll keep you apprised of things if anything new develops. Keep us abreast. You got it. All right. <laughs> anyway, and that's Sage Advice for this week. We'll head into uh, Table Manners. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, we like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, folks, uh, table manners here. And continuing on with our previous one from module A1, we're going to do module, dun dun dun, module A2, Secret of the Slaver's Stockade. Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> that's uh, what said. And that was by Harold Johnson and Tom Moldvay. And, uh, this is carrying on with the Slave Lord series that started at Gen Con 13 convention as a tournament module. So basically what it comes down to this, to give a synopsis uh, of the module is from module A1, if you're continuing from that, they find a map, the player characters find a map to a hidden fortress in the hills. And this fortress is called uh, Fort Strategy. And the uh, venturing party has to get the fort strategy. Once they get there, they have to figure out a way how they're going to get inside the fort using stealth without being detected. And this fort has, um, as far as humanoids, you got hobgoblins, a lot of hobgoblins. You got some orcs. You got some goblins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think even a few bugbears, if I recall. I just yeah. remembered seeing a lot, a lot of hobgoblins used as, as, um, as guards. So you have to figure out how you're going to get into the fortress. And by doing so, find out who's in charge of the fortress and essentially eliminate those who are in the fortress. And... With this module, from when I've read through it again, and I have to say, you know, this is probably my second favorite of, of the four. This one's pretty interesting because... Um, I think it's interesting for the simple fact that it has bathrooms in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a privy in the fort. <laughs> and <laughs> I've never seen a module with latrines in it. Yes, it's a latrine. Uh, but um, I thought it was interesting that it's... 
somewhat non-linear as far as trying to get into the fort. It is kind of weird, yeah. As you, you know, the first level is kind of the fort itself, and the player characters, like I said, have to figure out a way with stealth and not being detected how to get a fort. Because if they do get detected, there are some heavy-duty fortress defenses I'm talking about, and you could pretty much think of your standard medieval defenses. You know, the the boiling oil and and the portcullises and what have you. So yeah, if they get discovered, it's going to be a real difficult time. So. I, I would think as a playing character, par, as the party, you would need some ways like uh, invisibility spell, uh, maybe hiding in shadows, things like that, and somehow get those player characters who can't do those sorts of things into into the stockade. Um, but what I found really interesting about this, as as the as the player characters get further into the stockade and actually get into the dungeon level. Things take a very interesting turn, particularly with the uh, leaders of the stockade. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about uh, there's there's let me see there are five different leaders of the stockade, and the number one is a um, a fighter magic user by the name of Marquesa, and Marquesa is the overseer of the Fort of the Slave Lords operation here. What's interesting about this character is Marquesa is so twisted and evil Hmm. that she has taken slaves. And, well, I guess we're going to do spoilers. Let's do it. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert, everyone. She has taken slaves that they, that I guess weren't considered worthy to be on the market. Mm-hmm. Done certain scientific experiments on them, so she's like their version of Doctor Evil. Do they, do they have <laughs> do they have laser beams on their foreheads? They're freaking lasers <laughs> on their freaking heads. <laughs> we don't have sharks; we have sea bass. Uh, right. Are they ill-tempered? Okay, sure. <laughs> so yeah, Mark, you get into a certain area in the dungeon level where. You, the player characters start to discover this. And it, it's a, not only interesting, but a very disturbing twist in this whole operation. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, I, and I, I actually thought it was kind of disturbing because you can imagine as a player character party when they get into this sort of thing. You know, they're just thinking, okay, we you know, uh, pretty much straight up, okay, we got to go in here. We got to find who the leaders are, eliminate them, and probably release any slaves that are, are going to be sold. Well, not only did they discover that, but some of these people are being magically altered to be used as... Minions, pretty much. Minions. Yeah. And that's later on at the dungeon level. And I thought that was a really cool twist. And I don't think that's anything when they went through this adventure was ever going to expect. And I thought that was very, very cool. And I can imagine being in that tournament and you discover that sort of thing. I I bet your jaws dropped. I'm almost willing to bet. But the kind of backtrack a little. So we have Marquesa, who's that uh, fighter magic user, who's the leader. They have this uh, fellow who's by the name of Icar. He's the leader of the garrison. There's also uh, an ogre by the name of Executioner. Yeah. He's really 
uh, I guess I can say he's really badass. He's got a really cool bastard sword. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, Gulyet, who is uh, the assistant and apprentice to Marquesa, and Blackthorn. And I like Blackthorn because Blackhorn, uh, Blackthorn, I'm sorry, Blackthorn. is an ogre magi, or or is an ogre mage. Ogre Magi. Ogre, I think Ogre, Ogre Magi is later on. I think it's Ogre Mage. Yeah. But, uh, and he's actually has used the polymorph form. He looks, his, and it says here, Blackthorn always appears in polymorph form, in this case, as a seven-foot-tall humanoid with gray skin, sparse hair, sunken eyes, and a skeletal, emaciated physique. I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> who's that dude? Yeah. <laughs> when you run into him, so I thought that was a really cool twist there, using Blackthorn, this ogre magi, as one of the one of the slavers in the stockades. But um, they do have a brief section about the tournament section, and I believe Will's going to talk about that. And one thing I like about this module is when they talk about the overland route to get from Highport from the very first one to to Fort's uh, strategy. It's a very brief section. There's like two paragraphs in a wilderness encounter table. That's all you need. You know, you don't need a real detailed thing as a DM if you want to do that. Absolutely. You can add it, but, you know, you really you can also really just cut to the chase of this, too, and be right at the fort if you want. So there is just a little blurb about what you can do for the overland encounters. But some of the things that ha- that I highlighted about the fort that I thought were really interesting was just some of, some of the interesting encounter areas. There's um, When you get to the fort, there's one area where they use a haunt. Yeah. I love the haunt. And it's in this walkway where these slavers, when they took over this fort, and originally this fort wasn't by them, they actually took this over, I guess, recently in the past several weeks or months or what have you. And there's this section of the um, the front gates, this walkway area, uh, where nobody goes because they believe it's haunted. And you discover if you go in this area, yes, it is. And uh, the haunt is really nasty because it could possess you <laughs> if it starts, you know, sucking away uh, your points of dexterity when it hits you. Uh-oh. So I thought that was a really cool encounter that they put in there. Um, also, I- another interesting encounter when you talk about the stockade area is there's an encounter with a with Ankheg, the the Ankheg, I believe it's pronounced, uh, and that's around that mudded area in the central courtyard. You're saying it right, yeah. Oh, thank you. I don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, you know, know what I found particularly interesting? That one encounter outside it with the ex, the escaped slave. Yes. With Lady, was it Morwen Elisar? Yeah. Yes. There, I'm trying to look that up here. There, page yes. five. Page five. Uh, yes. It's interesting how the party can try to bring her on as an NPC party member, or she'll become hysterical. Um. Yeah, she's a lady of quality that's dressed in ragged clothes and recently escaped. Elisar, that's actually lifted from Lord of the Rings, too. <gasps> Shh, don't tell. Okay, well. Because there's, there's, there's no Lord of the Ring references at all in D&D. Never have been. 
she has an intense hatred for the former captors and will kill or maim them if the opportunity arises. Well, heck, get her some armor and a sword. Let her at it. <laughs> She'll offer them a large reward if the uh, they help help her. Yeah. So I just found it interesting they threw that in there. Yeah, it gives them some purpose. Mm. You know, not just um, you know Is, going there and getting rid of the slavers, but they actually meet up uh, with a slave that's escaped. I wonder if the is there more backstory to her or I didn't I see any other else, backstory no. to her. It doesn't mean that as a as a any good DM would they could. Well, yeah, as a DM, I just maybe thought it tied in somewhere later on, but not that I'm aware of it, as far as the World of Greyhawk campaign setting. Yeah, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting little add-on to throw in someone of high status quality in there, like a lady. Right, I thought that was kind of cool too. Anyway, so yeah, you got lots of hobgoblins. Um, one other encounter in the, in the main courtyard uh, area or the stockade area is um, let's see if I can find this right. There is a encounter with hobgoblins that could go rather nastily because they also are using um, I it doesn't say carnivorous apes, but they do use apes as like almost like guard dogs. I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of unique. That is not a bad idea. Yeah. I also like the Madman's Lair. The Madman's Lair. Mm-hmm. And that it's encounter number 16. It was a guy who escaped. He went crazy before he escaped, and he forgot that he was supposed to leave this place. <laughs> and he's just kind of like holed up here, and he's like, he's just nuts. But... There's a kind of an interesting twist to this guy because in an encounter not too close by, there's a, a female slave and her young child. They're hiding there, and this crazy guy sneaks out and gets food for them. So I thought that was an interesting twist to the whole scenario as well. So you have the, that going on. Uh, later on, within the, um, the main stockade section, you... Um, See if I can find it. I'm sorry. They use boggles too in the adventure. Yes, I was going to mention that they use boggles. And that is the boggle layer is on page uh, 23. Yes, which I thought was really cool. I've, I've never really seen my, them use boggles before. Yeah, there's a, actually a section in the stockade where the the hobgoblins they use boggles as kind of like um, bloodhounds. Yeah. To to find whoever might be loose as far as like a lost slave or someone trying. And that's where that whole cover comes into play. If you look at the cover right there, I'm like, oh, so that makes sense there, eh? Just so a, use a quickie for them out there. Boggles have rubbery skin and secrete a vicious, non-flammable black oil that is extremely slippery. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, they kind of like, basically, it's the AD&D version of Smeagol. Yeah, so, yeah. So these things going around, it's like, oh, my precious. Um, <sighs> another so, Lord of the Rings reference. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's two, Nick. That's two. I know. I'm going to have to pay them royalties. They're yeah. going to get very, very cross with me. Jason will be very mad at you right now. I know. Well, too bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying to. Th yeah, it's. um. Yeah, they use them in the stockade area as well. You know, so, another one I thought that was pretty, might be a little disturbing, was the torture chamber area. Yeah, that was a bit disturbing as well, yes. 
I also they also use a cloaker in here. Yeah, there's room of slaves, and there is a cloaker that is used I'm gonna as talk about a him guardian. Later. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about him later. He's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, he'll be our monster in the creature feature theater. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that yeah, I thought the the cloaker was really uh, interestingly used mm-hmm. in this. So so that's there's some of the highlights in like the stockade section. Then you go into the actual dungeon level. The dungeon level gets pretty darn interesting. Like when we talk out about when you run into the um, the scientific experiments that have been made. And there's a whole section called the caves. And you glance right over the werewolves, too. Oh, that's right. There are werewolves. There's like a little bit of everything in this one particular adventure. I think that's why I liked it so much. They're in cahoots with Blackthorn. That's funny. I think I remembered that, yeah. Yes, Blackthorn, the uh, ogre magi. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I wrote down so many different areas of, of this thing that, that are are so good that I mean it's it's just crazy. Like, How the characters um, going to carry out all the money they find in here? Oh god, there's a yeah, ton like, of almost things. impossible. I also thought it was where they there's beehives in this. There's a beehive with a beekeeper here. That's it. And you, <laughs> but actually, let me tell you something. That is one of the lamest parts of the module I found so dumb. What the beekeeper thing? Yes, it's, it's absolutely does not make no doggone sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense. I have no idea bees? why it's there. Why would you put bees and beehives in, in a dark, deep dungeon? Honey, yeah, no, I know. That's like why right there. <laughs> the well, bees should have been upstairs. Maybe Blackthorn likes fresh honey, okay, in the morning. He likes to put it in his tea while he has breakfast. Maybe they're yes, making How tea. are they going to get, you know, a, a pollen and all that stuff to make honey <laughs> when they're living in a dungeon? Well, they have dungeon flowers, didn't you know? Oh, okay, that explains it. Actually, if you look at the dungeon level where they're at, it really doesn't make much sense because no. it's in a really deep area, and I'm trying to figure out how would the bees get out. Uh, Nick, let me let me ask you this question. Has any, of them, <laughs> has any of the modules ever made sense the way they place monsters? No, and it doesn't have to because no. it's a game about fairies, dragons, and orcs. Exactly. <laughs> okay, never so made these sense. are non-honey-producing bees that we can keep in, in doggone deep, da- dark dungeons. So then we shouldn't call them bees. We just call them cave bees then. Will, okay, then. That'll Will, work. What do you always say when people try to rationalize realization in this game? It's just a fantasy. There's no such thing. I know. and That's my whole point. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, one encounter I thought that was really cool. The, the elite goblin barracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the goblin who has that halberd plus one. I just think that's the coolest thing, you know. It's, I can just imagine this little goblin with this halberd. It's magical. And just try to, because, you know, the adventure party is like, a bunch of goblins, stab. Oh! <laughs> I, don't like the, I don't like the picture of the goblin, by the way. The what? They're pictures of the goblins. I don't like the pictures of the goblins. Uh, they make oh, them, on the next page, twenty-eight. Yeah, they they make them look really weird. Yeah, they're a little they're a little funky looking in that one. That and, and that. the and the chesty Larue one over there. Oh yeah. Well, the art was definitely lacking in this module. That's for sure. I don't know who. I wonder who did that picture. I don't see a signature on it. Do you? Uh, I, that looks like Willingham's work. Probably. I think so. I mean, not I, he's I, not that he's a bad artist. It's just I I think his rendition of goblins look weird. Yeah. He's a yeah, great that, artist. That one yeah. is, yeah. It's a little bizarre. I don't know. Whatever. Go on. Continue. But, um, gosh, what else here? I had uh, written down here. You have wargs. 
Well, then you have the encounter with Marquesa in her laboratory. How the hell are you going to carry all this gold, this copper out of there? I know. I'm looking There's at it. There's a lot of treasure. Because you know you how. don't. Yeah, I know, but you know how players, uh, characters. Oh, players, yeah. yeah. I'll take it all. I'm going to fill my bag, 10,000 copper pieces. Yeah. And then you'll have that guy, that DM, say, he'll go through the character sheet and say, you're not taking 10 bag of thou copper pieces. They were stolen by the boggle. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> oh, what was it? In, um, in Marquesa's um, laboratory, I love the cages. Each cage has an owl bear. Yeah. That's a lot of owl bears, folks. That's nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's nasty. Plus the thirteen elite goblin guards. So if things go really bad, the goblins release the owl bears and they all attack you. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is this is, in my opinion, this is a room where you let somebody go ahead who's invisible, scout it out, and say, "Okay, you put the fireball right there. <laughs> you put the lightning bolt there." <laughs> Oh, the, the, the lightning bolt will fail, but the fireball would do good, I think. <laughs> yeah, like lightning bolt or something like that. Something that has area effect. That's how I would take care of that thing. I like that room is actually very small, even for a fireball, because if you take a look at it, well, 22, I mean, it just depends. I'm looking at, well, you know what? I'm sorry. I take that back now. If we're, I'm, you know, I'm going back to my Pathfinder things, because each room should be 10 by 10, right? So 10, 20, 30, 10 40, 50, 50, room 22? That's no, the lab? Yeah, I'm not- sorry. It's not. Yeah, 10. it's the lab room twenty two. It's it 10? yeah, it's yeah, ten yeah. foot squares. Okay. The dungeon level, yeah, twenty two. So it's one, two, three, four, five, fifty by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven by seventy. So the fireball will definitely encompass that room. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love- Actually, uh, fireball is a twenty by twenty. I think. No. No. <laughs> Here we go. Fireball is thirty three thousand cubic feet. Okay. Nerd. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's math. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll take a look into it and everything. I think the fireball will definitely encompass this room big time. Yeah. And this They'll is get a room, in fact, where there is a map of the caravan routes that goes to where you need to go in module A3. Assault on the area of the yes. slave. I like how they have the little subtle hints for A3 on there. Yes. yes. Fireball would be a terrible spell then because the map would be destroyed. So don't use fireball in the I, room. Let's get off the fireball already. Um, <laughs> the caves are interesting too. With the thinkers. Yeah, that's where her um, cavelings mm. dwell. I think the thinker's cave is pretty interesting how they have that one girl they're probing in there, the mm-hmm. blonde hair, and then the one ruler thinking that she's Marquesa. Yes, the, she has the her double. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so... They're not sure. They, I guess, if Marquesa escapes, she has one of her experiments is a twin. <laughs> I'm like, <"Ugh." laughs> that's like that's kind of creepy in a way. It's, yeah, it says if Marquesa has escaped and encountered, if Marquesa has escaped and encountered with the party, they will believe that this elf is Marquesa since the elf looks exactly like her. Actually, she's one of Marquesa's more successful experiments. Do A you, double. Yeah. Mini me. Do you notice that they invented a new type of armor as well? Yes. Stone uh, breast breastplate made of stone. A stone breastplate. Stone plate. Stone plate, it's called. AC of six, they listed as. Well, she has AC of six, so. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming well, she, they don't have her stats, so I'm assuming that's probably going to be an AC of maybe seven or eight. Yeah. 
I'm also looking at that treasure room again. That's a lot. I, yeah. How are you going to carry that all out? Well, you leave the copper. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is one of those things where, if you were playing this, I would like to port over a. Uh, there's a there's a, a spell from Hackmaster. It's called Merge Coin Pile, <laughs> where you can convert lower values to higher values, so you can easily carry them out of the dungeon. <laughs> uh, oh, another thing about the uh, Thinker's Cave. I'm just noticing here. Jabber, her lover. Yeah, this has a mouth of six inches wide with a frog-like tongue, and is missing one of his hands, which has been replaced by a bony spear-like formation. Oy. That's yeah. That's a little weird. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll just let that one be. It's kind of creepy there. Yeah. So. And there's a minotaur. <laughs> yeah, just randomly. Yeah, just throw that back. Minotaur's room. Why not? Anyway. So, yeah, this adventure, there's a little bit of everything. And death I'm looking back on it now. Uh since we're going through these Slave Lord series, I'm actually kind of wishing I would have used this in my campaign with the kids now. Because this one's actually kind of cool. Did you see the uh, the instant death walking through the door if you don't say the name? Oh, which encounter was that? I missed the that. Secret Door, the Glyph of Warding, on uh, uh, page 34. Did you not, you didn't notice that? Oh, Secret Doors. There it is. Yeah, I got it. Okay. If they, yeah, don't, utter, if they don't utter the name while uh, we'll walking through the door, the save versus death rate or die. Yeah, nice. That's a little harsh. Well, <laughs> what are you going to do? Hmm. Well, the other one's terror, and then there's frost, but, you know, death. There you go. Glyph Dog. of death. You must die. You're Blackleaf. You failed. <laughs> Blackleaf. Leave the table now. Yes. <laughs> Just get out. And that's pretty much it. And then we have the uh, escape tunnel and the exit. Yeah, you know. It, this is a really cool adventure that really sets things up to, at least in my opinion, where you come across those cavelings. If you have a, I would, I would think a mostly good aligned party, that, that sort of thing is really going to make it like, man, we thought they were cruel before, but that's just twisted. And you got the other things like the, like, uh, uh, was it the, uh, the one escaped slave at the beginning that you're talking about, Elisar, yeah, and the one the the one madman who's taking care of the the woman and her, and her child that are hiding out in the stockade. I mean, those are little things that kind of move the they add they add to the plot to where it almost makes it a little more personal. And in fact, you probably could if you want to make it more personal. Maybe I think we were talking about before um, how I forget it might have been Will, might have been you. Uh, there, Vince, about how you can make it to maybe one of the player characters or several of the player characters' family members have been kidnapped by the slavers. No, that was Will who said that. that Will said yeah, that. maybe this woman is one of those, you know, family members, and they're hiding out, you know? Hmm. I notice I don't recognize most of the playtesters for this. I mean, Jeff D, obviously, but the rest of them, I don't really know. Uh, Mike Portnell. Skip Williams, I recognize him. Skip Williams, yeah. I don't recognize Tom Christensen or Nick Christian. Must be brothers, maybe. Jim Barber. Do you know Jim Barber? I don't recognize that name. No. Don Snow? Sounds like yep. an announcer for uh, <laughs> a game show or something. Yeah. And no, But uh, I, I uh, Jeff D. and Skip Williams, those are only really ones I... I... Yeah. Art, Jeff D., Errol Otis, Jim 
Rosloff and Bill Wilhelm. Yeah, Rosloff, yeah. Yeah. But I guess now the characters, if you want to tie it in, can go right to A3 with what they found. Yeah, and I'll take them to the area of the slave lords. <laughs> they have, like, in, in, what, two, three spots? One spot they could find, I think, a map. The second spot they find some notes written on in the kitchen, I think, about it. Mm-hmm. They have to use comprehend languages to figure it out. One of them is Area 22, yeah. which is where Marquesa's room is. That's another she has one. that map. Yeah, and then there's the one in the kitchen, where why it's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of weird. Kind of like it's on the refrigerator, like a note. Go to this area. Yeah. So there's various ways that they can you know, find out about getting to the area of the slave lords. So it will lead them to A3. So like I said, it was kind of unique to where the top of the, the actual stockade part, which is somewhat nonlinear, depends on where you go there, where then you go into a linear form in the dungeon level. So it's it, and that's I think that's kind of cool. So there you have it. Well, there's the overall story and feel of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like this one. I'm I'm actually thinking about when my my one group gets done with the uh, the Temple of Elemental Evil. I think I'm going to have them take on the slavers, the 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 uh, mega module because that's for higher levels. Temple of that's uh, T one through four, right? That's correct. Yes. Oh, that's awesome because I just scored a T one in perfect condition for five bucks. Yeah, I got the original T one as well, which makes not, ref- a, not a whole lot of differences between. No, those two. which is funny because it makes reference of T two in it. So yeah, <laughs> which never happened. Which never happened. Which yeah, what are you gonna do? Anyway, uh, so uh, I guess that's that. Any other comments from you guys? I I I like this module. I think it's pretty cool. It's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting module. Uh, but it has some huge glaring errors in it. Uh, I mean, depending on it, we, we ran it with the tournament side. I mean, it's not really a big deal and everything. What uh, errors? Notice, oh, there's, there's just tremendous errors in here. I saw a lot of typos in a couple spots. That's, yeah, those, the movement typos was, was, you know, was one of the issues and everything like that. Um, Actual grammar typos. It was one part. It was one of the words that if the player adventures is R, I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, that's, that's well, hey. That's grammatical stuff. Well, yeah, but it's, it's stuff like that, that that makes a difference. And, you know, when you play my one, you know, this is what my problem is with this module. Please tell us, Will. As a whole. I Please mean, tell us. It's a good module. Okay. There's some things that didn't make sense, like the, the bees down in the dungeon. Oh, here we go with the bees. No, I mean, seriously, it just didn't make no sense there. Just uh, Dungeon flowers. Uh, the dungeon is not made for character levels four through seven. Yeah, it's probably a little bit higher, I think. Oh, very much higher, because some of the creatures in there will definitely destroy a party. Like the Phantom, for example. Yeah. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. All right, so today we're going to talk about this module uh, being in a tournament module and the the uh, regular module, depending right. on how you want to play it. I play both these modules as a tournament module, and, and I've hosted it many times as a normal module. 
Do you run them individually, Will, or the overall big bulk one? I, I, I always ran them individually. I never ran the the super module, the Scourge of the Slave Yards. I, I, I just didn't care for that, that, that module at the time. I preferred them individually because they were so simple. And I didn't feel like I needed to run the, the, the super one because I, I, I didn't need a, have a need for the, the, the backstory when I already created a backstory for the first four when they first came out. Oh, well, yeah, your point didn't matter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Now, with the uh, tournament module, this module was done a little bit differently tournament-wise. Unlike the first one, where there was, you know, you get special extra points for doing certain actions via characters, this one here really didn't have that option. Because there's only one place to do scoring. And if you look on page 39, it's going to tell you how to do the scoring adjustments. And remember what I was telling people before. It's not about the number of monsters you kill. It's about how fast and how many rooms you can explore before time expires. Right, right. And it also depends on the number of characters surviving. However, so let's say you had nine players playing in this module. You encountered nine areas. That's 405 experience points. Yeah. Now, when we mean by numbers of areas encountered, that doesn't mean you open a door, look in, and leave. That is not an encountered area. <laughs> you have to actually physically go into the room. Do what needs to be done in the room. If there is anything to be done, then you leave. Now, let's say there are no encounters in the room. That's still considered an encountered room. From there on, there are scoring adjustments. This was not in the first module, whereas the DM's discretionary bonus system can be used. In each of the nine encounter areas, well, there's nine encounter areas is what I mean. The DM awards plus three to minus three points depending on whether the party resolved the encounter intelligently, quickly, and so on. Three points for superior play, two for excellent play, one for good play, zero for average play, down to three for extremely poor play. And it states specifically, this is not the system they, used, they did not use at the tournament modules at Gen Con. Unfortunately, my search has been futile. I still cannot find the scoring sheets for the original tournament play rules for these modules. If you all ever can find them, please let me know. I doubt you're going to find those, Will. It's extremely difficult. I, I'm, someone's got to have it out there. I just can't see this scoring system being completely eradicated from the planet. It just, it's just not physically you, possible. You, someone's got to have the rules for that. You'd have to ask one of the TSR alumni to, to maybe help you out with that. Hmm. So with that said, then, when you look in this module, as you read through it and everything, you'll come to across a room or two and everything. This, i got to ask Max here in a second. Well, I mean, Nick. Max? Yeah. What? What did you call um what did you call the Hill Fort again? Uh, I think it was Fort Strategy. Hill Fort no. Strategy. It's just Hill Fort. It's just a Hill Fort. No, I thought that, it was called Fort Strategy. No, no, what it did was they, it, it, the thing says Hill Fort Strategy. What they oh. meant is it's the strategy you would use when you run the Hill Fort. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I see that now. I thought that was kind of funny and everything, but no, actually, that it was kind of confusing. We said Hill Fort Strategy. I said, I don't remember being called Fort Strategy. I remember saying, you know, but uh, the Hill Fort is a very interesting area and everything. And, and like I said, this is one of the issues that I have with this module is that the, it, Complete, it's completely overpowers the, the players. They should have put the strategy of Hill Fort. That's what they should have that put. That sounds a lot better than that. Yeah. Anyway. But it is what it is now. If you will. Um, Here, I thought it was the name. Boy, I sound stupid. <laughs> oh, I admit it. I screwed up. It's another three-star uh, review bashing you, Nick. Yes. <laughs> I totally nah, destroyed Nick. somebody's life. Nah, but, uh, Nick, it's all right. But as I as I look through this and everything, and uh, you know that uh, 
that 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 slave that you run into, the yeah. escape mm-hmm. slave. Yeah, the lady. Yeah. yeah. She's nothing. She's just an old maid. She's penniless. She's worthless. So she's not really a lady then. No, she's not. It states that specifically that she's just a penniless maid or whatever. I thought so it said she was dressed and is penniless, not that she is one. Again? I thought she said that she was there. She's dressed like she's penniless, not that she is penniless. That's not what I thought I read there. I was just reading on that. That's, that's... I don't know, Nick. That... Am I wrong? You might have. Nick? Well, reading the description, it says, despite her ragged appearance, she seems to be a lady of quality. In parentheses, it says, unfortunately, she's actually a penniless maidservant. Okay, then I read it wrong. Oh. I see how that was confused when you said lady, and yeah, she's actually nothing and everything. So, I mean, you could have her in the party. She's like, a zero-level character, and you just had to level her up as a five if you wanted to. So she's basically lying to the party, saying, I'm a lady, I'm going to promise you 100 gold, and they'll be like, oh, cool. And meanwhile, she'll just run away. Determined module-wise and, and playing it as a regular module, now, I, there's not too many differences in here and everything. There's a couple, you know, places in there where it says if you use this for the tournament module, uh, ensure, for example, like the Haunt. Or yeah, was yeah. it the Phantom? E- either one of those. One of them is at half strength. I believe it's the Haunt. Yeah. So you'll notice stuff like that, you know, throughout the thing where it says that if you play this tournament, this is how that particular encounter, you know, will react as the players go in there and so on. The key thing to this, though, is can you, you can you actually logically use stealth to get to the dungeon once you go through the fort itself? I mean, you know, we played this a lot of times, and it's, it's practically nearly impossible to not let the fort know, or even let the dungeon denizens below know that there are. I know there are so down. many hobgoblins. There on is. Top. It's almost impossible. And you know what? And, you, and, and, and if you know what you're getting yourself into, if the players have a, a way of figuring out, well, we need to go through that fort to figure out where to get, where to go, or you know whatever they need to know, is that to make sure that the characters all have their silence spells, the invisibility spells, and everything else. And you know that's a good thing too, and everything. But what also does that mean is that you may not be able to find all the good magical treasures in there. Like, and that's a good point. There, you saw that one room that's heavily laden with treasure. Oh, yeah. I think that was done purposefully. You know, just to. Delay Lay the party to have them argue about leaving it or taking it. Oh, hmm. okay. Take the most sense. important Maybe. stuff and go. Yeah, that's why I said leave the copper pieces. In tournament module play, loot is irrelevant. Take the magical items and go. Yeah, you don't care take the about loot. Go. Take the loot that's that's magical and move there on. you go. That's how, that's how that's how we've done in our tournaments too. Yes, and in the tournament modules, if it comes to loot, leave it. Now I got to be very careful in saying that because I, I know one tournament module that we ran where we had to have a gem, yeah. a particular gem to open the door. Well, we didn't find the gem; we left it. We just oh. went ahead and used all the magical items. So what happened was we didn't in, in, end up finding a uh, a gin bottle, and the thief says, "Please make me a gem." Well, you Oops. know, if you're going to word stuff like that, the DM said, is that okay? Poof, well, you're a gem. <laughs> he became a gem. And guess what? We used him, the gem, to get through the last piece, and we're the ones that finished the module. I thought that was pretty cool. So the player, the character became a gem. You picked him yes. up. Was he still alive as a gem? No, he was dead. Okay, and you used it to, <laughs> to get through the door. To finish the, yes, to finish the tournament module. So that <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> that is that funny. Awesome, though, you know, so it was just one of those things and everything. 
again. Now, like I said, this is a tournament. This is a module that was made for for tournament play and for regular play. Tournament wise, this, I mean, I could imagine having nine people playing in this module. We we always had our tournaments at six place, but nine people—that's a lot of people. Mm, you yeah. need someone to make decisions for the party, and everyone's just going to have to go with it. Yeah. Because power. if you have everyone to argue, well, let's go this way. No, let's do this. Right. Let's cast this spell. Let's do this. I think. This is the worst example as as we continue with this, as I really think into it and look at all the tournament modules I played and ones that I have created and everything. I think this is one of the worst tournament modules I've ever seen. I think this is one of the worst. Really? Really? Yes, the worst, as far huh? as tournament play. Tournament play, yes. Nine people in a tournament module. I just, you know, I guess, you know, what it all comes boils down to is, can you actually get to the very last piece of the module? I mean, with nine people, I mean, if you look at the material in here, and unlike the first module, you'll notice that everything's in blue. There's nothing blacked out. Yeah. What does that mean? That there's more stuff to run into. There's more error. There's more room for error. You can't tell me that they can get this portion done in, in, in the time allotted, you know, that they're given to do so. They're scoring on a number of encountered rooms. I can't figure out how they can get nine people through this. This is a huge module. It is. It's it is huge. really big. It's, just the this the top fort, yeah. top part of the fort. Yeah. That's that's a lot of stuff to cover. And, and like I was saying before, because it's a nonlinear format in the top part. So in a tournament, you don't want nonlinear. You. I hate to say, I know there's some people out there who, who are cringe when I say this. Generally, for tournaments, you want railroading. You need it. You need to keep the people on task, or if they stray off yeah. the course somehow or some other way, they're 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 never going to get the task, and they're never going to find what they need to find or whatever. I rescind that comment because actually, I didn't mean to say it in that sense. When you take a look at I'm getting too mixed up. As a tournament module, you see how the darkened portions are on the first page? Yeah. Yeah. That is for tournament play only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, look at the number of rooms there are. Uh, it looks like there's, I can't see there's 25, but it's not. How many do you actually see? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm looking at almost 19 areas right there just on the four. So when mm-hmm. you start game all the white areas are excluded like you know 16 31 mm-hmm. excluded now when you get down to the dungeon that entire cave area is gone right everything is gone the only rooms that i see that's developed in there looks like it looks like it's one through no it's not even that I see where it starts off with the little stairway there? Yeah. Two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, maybe seventeen rooms down there. So seventeen, wow. so thirty-five rooms, roughly about thirty to thirty-five rooms there to go through this place in a tournament module. That's still a lot with all those encounters. Well, this yeah. this module what comes in at like forty-four pages? Yeah, but yeah. with room count, yeah, that lessens it a lot. It's well, a huge module. It's huge. This module's bigger than the rest of them. I know that because I know I have A4 sitting here, in the, and it's only 28 pages. So, Right. right. Yeah, That's- I would say this, of all the four, is probably the biggest challenge because of just the amount of stuff that they ha- a, a party yeah. has to go through if you're looking at it on as a tournament adventure. And, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Oh, no. It, 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 it's... Um, I, it's nearly impossible. Doesn't mean it can't be done, but 
it's, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. You I, I, like, for example, for the tournament. If I was playing it as a tournament adventure, if we knew we had to get in here stealthily, I mean, we'd have to look at everybody's like abilities as far as like thieves, um, magic items that can create like invisibility, so, everything that could create some sort of of stealth for everybody in the party. We would hope we could have. Right. And if not, you know what we would do? Lie. <laughs> we yeah. would say that we're a bunch of slavers and we'd lie our 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 keisters through this thing. <laughs> well, this that is would be I'm one saying. way to go, you know? Right. <laughs> Let's take a look at this here. If you do the tournament module, I mean yeah. this is this is look at it from this perspective. If you look at the tournament module, we know we got two, three, four, five, and six. Okay, well, when you look at those those areas right there, now understand now the maximum rooms need to be encountered are nine. You may not even need to go down to the do- uh, dungeon level to be honest. If you really want the truth, you don't need to. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the first room is. I'm sorry if we take a look at just. I mean, well, I wouldn't say the stairs. The stairs. There's an escaped slave there. I mean, that's an area, but I don't think that's an encountered room, what they consider an encountered room. Even three is not even an encountered room. That's just an area because it's just a drawbridge tunnel, a tunnel. So that doesn't count. Four and five, it's a winch room. Now, uh, now five, the courtyard, you have to deal with the ankeg. Yeah. So that would be an encountered room. I believe is what they're talking about. Yeah, I think they're talking. Yeah. Count two, three, four as encountered rooms because already you're ha- almost halfway through the encountered areas. But definitely five because now you're dealing with the ankeg. So how you deal with the ankeg is is going to determine you know the points and everything. I think that's what they're referring to. I mean, it look at be. that. Look at like twelve. I mean, 12 is a pain in the butt because you're always talking about the boggles, right? Yeah, yeah. the boggles. The parade ground, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm making sure I'm on the right page. Yeah, 12 has the boggle. There's one boggle there. Mm-hmm. And then 13, you got the inner courtyard, and now you got 12 hobgoblins there. So, and then they got the apes that will come yeah. after you there as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's another encounter area. So, and if you do 13, and I guess most of the other monsters that are in the white rooms are already taken out of there and everything, 14 and 35, you know, 14 is just an entrance corridor. So 14, I wouldn't even consider a, a room or an encountered area. So it just all depends. And like I said, you know, uh, you might have a better chance there. Now, on the bottom level, like you said, the owlbears, that's a terrible fight. That's tough. I, I really don't know how they could actually accomplish that in there without there being some type of deaths. Because there are 13 elite goblin guards there. As soon as the goblin guards are, are, are messed with, they damn uh, let loose the chain to open yep. the uh, cages to the owlbears. Mm-hmm. You got some problems. Yeah, you do. That's why I said that's the the one where you have somebody who can like sneak in there, look around, and tell the magic user, this is where you're going to place the fireball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At 21. As soon as the characters open the set of double doors that are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet down, the wargs are going to notice you. Why would they? How could they not notice you unless you put a silence on the door? With right. the war, soon as you open those doors and you didn't make any attempt in trying to keep quiet or anything like that and everything, the wargs will howl, notifying everyone in room 22 there's intruders coming. So right. already they. They got the so this is what I'm saying. Already the owlbears probably will be let loose and then sent to combat. You know the players. So I mean, it, this is a tough module. This is a very hard module. I think it is overpowered for the tournament level characters. Even if you have nine people, yeah, if 
have nine people. I don't know if you all see that, but I definitely see that. Is there rules in the super module for the tournament as well? I've never looked at it, so I'm curious. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head. I'd have to go look later. I, I wasn't referencing the the uh, super module. I'm just curious since Nick, oh, Nick, it's Will brought it up about a couple times, so. Yeah, so I have to take a look at that, and maybe when we get done with a, maybe on the day that we do a four, we could probably bring up more on on, on the super module and compare the two, or just do a whole show just on on the on, on the, the the differences and and the likes of both. But the beehives in room sixteen, I mean, you did mention those, and I, I mean it is kind of funny, but look at what it says there: burning hands will kill all insects in its area of effect. Or you use sleep, stinging cloud, or pyrotechnics to mobilize all bees in the area effect. Steam will kill the bees on characters that they run back into the steam-filled cavern, which was, you know, one back behind. Or two back behind, wherever it was. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was the interesting case. The beekeeper messed up and he... Oh, no, that was the cheese curing room. Where was the steam room at? Oh, that's 14, the chasm. 14. Right. So, again, like I said, interesting room. Um... I'm trying to think if there was anything else here that was kind of weird. Oh, the 18A, that's the trap. That's the net trap. That's nasty. And 18C is the, go- the elite goblin barracks. Yeah, I love that. And the one goblin with that halberd plus one, that just cracks me up. I just think, I think just that's so cool. <laughs> I mean, he's like the coolest of all the goblins because he's got this magical halberd, man. <laughs> thing is there's nine goblins and nine wargs yeah so you can't tell me during combat that one of those goblins ain't going to run to those double doors and run down to 21 and alert everyone else this is a killer dungeon i I mean i honestly do i mean have people overcome it yes they did and like you said their events people will have to prepare way ahead of time to do the right thing yeah Yeah. and on all that preparing uh will think about this what, during the adventure, they're trying to do things carefully and stuff like that. Right. Tick-tock, tick-tock, yes. tick-tock. Yeah. And, and that's my whole issue with this. I don't know. See, I wish I could actually find the actual rules for this tournament to know. I know they, they, they broke it down into sessions. I just want to know how long was each session. They couldn't have been too long for the first one because it wasn't that many areas. That's probably standard three hours. I don't know. Three hours? I don't think they could have got that done in three hours, the second one. Honestly, yeah, it says uh, how far uh, they penetrate, how many are alive at the end of a three-hour time limit. The three-hour time limit? Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but what I'm saying is, though, they ran this as one or two sessions in the day. That's what I'm asking about, sessions. They said parts when I got to find the rules where I read that on how they did the sessions. That's I don't know how many sessions A2 was. A2 could have been two sessions. Tournament start. It's just weird how they did this, this thing here. Yeah, I can't find it right now at the moment. But, yeah, there was a thing here that told you how the sessions were broken down. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know where it's at right there. Well, actually, I am looking at Wikipedia right here. Right. In the publication history, it says... Uh, the first two modules and the first part of the third module serves as the tournament's first round. Wow, the first round. While oh. the second part of the third module was the semifinal and the fourth module was the final round. Hmm. So I'd like to know how they broke that down into one round. So the first two modules and part of the third were one round? That's my wow. point. Holy cow. 
how they did this because that tells me that these things were had to be less than three hours because they didn't run this in one day. This is it no had day. to be one hour per section. So one. the first module, one hour. Module two was one hour, and the first half of the third module was hour three for the first round. Had to be. I just can't see people flying through it like this. I just can't. I know that's that's. I, so that, you know that's what I'm reading here. Used on how they did the tournament, the, because they're definitely unclear in these in, in these modules. They give you, you know who had you know who had an interesting yeah, tournament. And it's it it references uh, Jim Bambra um, for White Dwarf Magazine number thirty three, September nineteen eighty two. Uh, I guess he gave an interview. Where's that? Where's that at? That was uh, the reference that Wikipedia gives yeah. about the module. It was in a White Dwarf magazine. They talked about this module, Jim Bambra, September 1982, okay. White Dwarf number 33. And I guess that's where they talk about how they ran the module as far as what parts were used in what rounds. Okay, let me let me do this for you right now. You said it's in White Dwarf magazine 83. I will look that up. And on our next three, it was... Um, Sorry, what did you say again? It's uh, White Dwarf Magazine. Hold on a second. Let me get back again. I'll write this down. Click on the, here it is. It was September 1982. September 1982. It was White Dwarf number 33, I believe. 33. Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure I look it up for y'all, and I'll make sure I get back with you and get you some clarification on this. As I said, this was these modules when they were developed, they were developed poorly for tournament play because they don't explain anything and how they're supposed to be run. And, uh, and as I mentioned before, there's one module which I wish they had followed hmm. the rules for that, and that was the Hidden Shrine of Tomokin. Uh, yeah, Hidden Shrine of Tomokin. Yeah, did that perfect. And, and they, what was the other one we did? The Secret uh, uh, Ghost Tower of Inverness. Ghost Tower of Inverness. That's another one where they put down everything verbatim on how to do a tournament module and how scoring was done. They did yeah. not do this with these four sets of modules. That's why I'm disappointed with the tournament portion of these modules. You, they, we actually I, went over that, I thought, didn't we? Huh? We went over that in an earlier episode. Yeah, we only talked about the first one. The second one changed, though, Vince. They changed oh, the scoring okay. system. Okay, okay. The first one, they actually gave you uh, uh, specific things to do to get points. In the second one, A2, they don't have those anymore. Yeah, they now, kept it really vague. They said, okay, you got to get, if you want to get max points, you got to get nine encounters, and then they scale it down from there. Right. Then they got those DM, DM discretionary points. And then even then, this is not exactly the system used the first time this tournament was run, but should prevent ties. And I think, like, what well, is this something they added on to it just to, to fill it in? And I'm, I'm very disappointed with that. And, and like I said, I am always looking for the actual tournament modules that were run. I like to see how they were done. Hmm. In any case, if you want to run it as a tournament module, you're going to have to do some serious tweaks to it. Uh, change times. It's just like, you know, it's like you said, I don't see how they could have ran the, the, the first two and the, and we said the first part of A3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said the first round was the first two modules and the first half of module A3. I just, I'm, I'm shocked at that. Yeah, I am too. But I guess it depends on what they can. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> see, as though I can see a round being six hours, which is two hours per adventure. I don't think we're going with the typical three. And even then, you're cover. You're cutting it really close. 
So now people can understand that the difficulties of running this as a tournament module via, I prefer to run this as a full, full length module. It, it, the, the, uh, the playing experience is enjoyable. Another advantage of doing that is the characters will get experience points and level up. Whereas if you do the tournament module, they do not level up just like we covered in the first one. That's one thing I will tell you now. They do not level up in these modules. They stay for the, whatever the, the, the NPC, not the NPCs, but the uh, pre-gens stay yeah. the same level all the way through. Leave the loot. Take take the magical weapons and magical items. Take leave the gun. Take the cannolis. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like I said, it, it has its pluses. It has its minuses and everything. Did you all discuss the minotaur that's in there too as well? We yeah. kind of glanced over it. We, yeah. we said it, but we didn't talk about it. The minotaur is in there. Then you got the uh, the one caveling that's called mouth or mouther or Soft? whatever. No kidding. The one that doesn't have no arms and no legs, all it is is a big mouth on its body or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just run those things. Yeah, like I said, it is what it is, you know. Word. The traps, that's another issue. The magnet traps, the one with the glass balls and everything. Yeah. Do you see those traps in there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think those traps were a little uh, a little overboard considering the, the the forces that are in there. I mean, we got hobgoblins and goblins mostly. Well, yeah, there's it was way over. Yeah, I just don't think they would have the intelligence. But again, we're just talking about your stereotypical, you know, duh, I'm a goblin and I smash and eat your kids. Just a thought. Mm-hmm. Gotta love those first edition ADD modules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Okay, cool. We'll head into some creature feature next. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long gorilla? Creature feature theater. Alive! It's alive! A2 was the least favorite. Did y'all even talk about the cloaker, or was that coming later? It's right now, Well, <laughs> Yeah. The Creature Feature Theater, since Will is so impatient, is the <laughs> is the cloaker, which we're talking about. Uh, I find this creature very, very interesting. The fact that it's a highly intelligent creature and considered it an alien. Yes. I found exactly. it, And also what I found very fascinating about this creature is only a magic user can communicate with it. Yes. That's oh. all. This is such a weird creature. It's like a blanket with teeth and claws and a spiked mace tail or, or Morningstar tail. Like a blanket. Yeah, it looks like a blanket pretty much with like horns and teeth and claws. And basically what it does is tries to wrap itself around a player and bite it. And uh, the damage it does, 1d4 plus the unadjusted AC, AC of the victim points of damage. Now, I was looking at that. So 1d4 plus the unadjusted AC. So if his armor class would be a 6, do 6 points of damage on top of the 1d4. Apparently so. That's unadjusted. But hey, interesting. Yeah, because you will not count the dex bonus or or the... The magic, I guess. No, the magic will count. Oh, okay. What they're referring to is if it had a dex bonus. What they're saying is the dex bonus is removed. Oh, I see. Okay. I find it fascinating. This armor class of the creature is 3, but its tail is AC 1. And has its own separate hit points of 16 on top of that before being cut off. Uh, now, another thing about the cloaker, it has a, uh, emits a subsonic moaning. Mm-hmm. And there's three different effects depending on what the creature wants to do. 
And uh, it can cause them, uh, invokes fear is one of them. So the characters save versus spells or run in terror. <laughs> or, run away! Or, yeah, run run away. Two rounds. The third level uh, causes nausea and weakness, very similar to that of the Stinking Cloud spell. And the last intensity is a whole person spell. And it will use it one at a time on the characters at this point to try to get them trapped and you know pick away at them close. Uh, basically, it, what it does, its lowest level, which I kind of skipped over by accident, causes nervousness and unused to all characters within range. It will numb the minds who listen to it for more than six consecutive turns, making them zombie-like. This thing going to scream six turns? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time to scream. I don't know. But it can't scream and attack. And another interesting thing is if the creature's attached to, say, like your party member... Mm-hmm. And you try to attack him, you're doing damage to the creature and your fellow party members. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> so. How you get this thing off of him? You, you kind of stick your sword in and pry him off. I guess I don't know. <laughs> and um, it has the ability to manipulate shadows, so it'll obscure and uh, kind of hide in the shadows. I found this creature very, very interesting. And also, um, what I just noticed here, I didn't. Um, realized before was the creature can produce a double of itself. Yeah, if it's in the shadows, it can make shadow doubles. Yeah, so it can confuse players. This is a really cool monster to have in the cave. It's a, and it's very difficult. It's got so many things it could do. Yeah, this uh, the hit dice is uh, a six. six. Hmm. That's a little high. Yeah, yeah. Armor class of three. Overall, and- one for the tail, yeah. And it's chaotic neutral. Oh, it's crazy and not evil. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So this kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, gives the question, you know, where is this thing from? It sounds like it kind of somehow tied to the demiplane of shadow. But yeah, but alien, though. Why is it alien? Why they let and why only magic users could communicate with it? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's. Is this one that was put in Monster Manual 2, I believe? Was it? it? I think so. I don't have yes, that it, it is in the Monster Manual 2. Does it say who created it? The uh, creature created I, by... I'd be interested to talk to the person who created this. I mean, just even in the email, say, you know, we reviewed the cloaker. I'm just curious, where did you get that creature yeah, from? Yeah, where did the ideal come from? It sounds yeah. something... Um, like, it sounds something rather influenced by, um, yeah, it is the Monster Manual, too. It sounds like it's in, influenced by, uh, like, some of your Jack Vance novels. It's, you know, like mm. Dying Earth kind of stuff. It just sounds like it can uh, be influenced by that sort of thing. Did you see the uh, technical name for it in the adventure for the Cloaker? No, I think I missed that. It, what? Yeah, in the actual um, encounter with the cloaker, is the cloaker is also known as the Tenebra Complexor. <laughs> the Tenebra uh. Complexor, wow. Yes, that's its scientific name. <laughs> it also states that it's related to another dungeon-dwelling creature known as the Trapper. Yeah, okay, okay. I can see them working hand-in-hand together. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that... You know would be cool to have a room with cloakers, trappers... And lurkers above, <laughs> and invisible stalkers. Yeah. Oh, 
you go. Well, surprisingly, we talk about the other variants. There are three other cloaker variants for the Ravenloft setting. There's one called the Shadow Cloaker, the Resplendent Cloaker, and the Undead Cloaker. Well, we're talking about second edition at this point, right? No. Is this in the Ravenloft module? No, they're just other variants of cloakers. And they're in what edition? Well, it could be first edition since Ravenloft is a module. But no, I believe that uh, that would be second edition for those uh, three. Yeah, so it doesn't count right now. So It does count. What I'm trying to say is during the time of this module that wasn't Oh, no. Yeah. They did cover some other things about that, though. What time? When were these modules created? In the, uh, well, Gen Con 13 was 80 what? 80, 81. No, 80, 81, there. 79, around there. So, yeah. Oh, that's not bad. So did you find out who created the creature, Nick? Uh, well, uh, nothing that I could see on, on who created it. Uh, all right. There's uh, nothing in the monster manual? Does it have the uh, creator on there? I'm not looking at the, the monster manual itself, but I, I'm looking at The monster manual, too, should have a name next to the thing. Hold on. I'll get it. As Will drops his Actually, microphone Actually, uh, it show. was, I guess it was made by Harold Johnson. It, Harold Johnson, huh? Hmm. I think so. I think he made that monster for the adventure. Um, I'm looking at what it says on its little blurb on the D&Dpedia. Interesting. I guess it wasn't. But, I'm looking through the monster manual, too. I don't know why Will went to go grab it, because I'm just looking through it right now. Yeah, there's the cloaker. The picture like, actually looks like a giant cobra in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I much pre- I I don't know which picture I prefer the one in the module, or I like the picture of the back on the back of it, the their Arrow Otis picture of it. Yeah, I that's like cool. That. I like that. Well, then again, I like all Otis's stuff because it's weird, creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's the same description too. So, I I would assume that Harold Johnson or Molde made up this creature for oh. the adventure. But, that's kind of well. If it's mold wave, then we're kind of out of luck for that. Yeah, unfortunately. Do, don't they usually have the names somewhere in the back or something? Or um, in the adventure itself, no, it doesn't say who created the creature. Oh, the monster manual, though. I don't know. It's not even there. So there's another place where I can look. No big deal. Oh, wait, they include Harold Johnson in uh, the acknowledgments, so maybe he did create that creature. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing. And uh, I see that uh, Keith or Sutherland's older father, our uncle, David, is in there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think that's his. Oh, it's not his uncle? Okay, I thought so. But Tracy Hickman's involved in here, too, so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I can ask Tracy about that. He's usually pretty good about answering questions. Okay, yeah, maybe Tracy knows. Or, or Luke, because he usually asks a lot. He can usually answer a lot of questions. Luke Gygax, that is. Hmm. Lawrence Schick is in there again. That guy's name is popping up all over the place. Anyway, so that's the uh, that's the creeper. Cloaker. Cloaker. I'm sorry, the, yeah, the cloaker. The creeper. Creeper. Here <laughs> the creeper. Because there's a, the monster in the mountain behind you two right next creeps. to it. Right next is the choke creeper, so I said creeper. <laughs> Which is no picture of the choke creeper, though. Which picture do you prefer, Will? The one in the Monster Manual 2 of the Choker? The Choker. Again, there we go. The Cloaker. <laughs> Actually, I like both of them, uh, but I do like the one in the back of the module that just shows how big it is and how threatening yeah. it is. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. I, I like think. the Otis picture. I think it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it is. It does give it a bit of a, that frightful look and everything. But it's old school art. There's nothing wrong with that. I like that. Yeah. 
It definitely is an OGL thing, so it, it's not a big old thing. I don't know. I just cannot find anything on it. There's only one other source that I could look at that will tell you exactly who created it, and that's provided that they, they actually put it in their monster book. Well, maybe uh, if Tracy's listening, maybe he'll uh, you know get back to us in our sage advice section. Who knows? Or you could drop him a line. So. Yeah, it's just amazing that there's nothing out there. Yeah, I like this creature. It's it's just it's got a lot of stuff it can do. It's pretty good defenses, and it's just weird. It's I don't know. It's just it does seem alien, you know. I like its subsonic attack. I think that's awesome. Yeah, mm. it's really interesting. This would actually be a halfway decent monster on its own as a big bad guy. For a relatively low-level adventuring party, too, you know. Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could. You're right. Yeah, the only thing that I can see that it made its debut in 1981 in the module Secret of Slaver Stockade by Harold Johnson, Tom Mulvey. That's all they got on it. Yeah, and then it made it into Monster Manual too. Yep, and that's it. So. Anyway, so. And you figured they would, they had the creation on there by the uh, the characteristics and the stats on it, but nothing. It is what it is. Yep. It is what it is. So I think that's pretty much going to end the show this week. Mm. And, uh, you know, pick up A2. Oh, I forgot to end the show how much it usually is. A quick look on... Uh, let's bring up the web browser here. A quick look on Amazon will show that... A2... is listed... Uh, as nothing because I can't find it. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, but uh, yeah, you know what comes up? The A2 iPad. <laughs> well, um, let's see if you can get it on eBay. You can. Yes, there are. There are several out there right now. Looks like it's going for about thirteen, anywhere up to eighteen bucks. Actually, I found one as low as nine ninety five. That's cool. So you can bid on it. So on average, looks like nine, ten bucks, depending oh, when you get on the bids. Check this out, Amazon. I just saw there's thirty being offered for two fifty. So you can get it for two dollars and fifty cents if you just want the module. Um, yeah, and that's auctioning. But uh, on on eBay, I was talking about. The, but there are buy it nows. You could do buy it nows. How probably much? average around twelve bucks. Yeah, The Secret of the Slaver Stockade Dungeon Module A2 by Harold Johnson, 1981. Import, 250 Okay, import? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the difference between the import. Well, according to the picture, the colors are different, but I don't know if that's just a Well, yes, the they spell color with a U. There's the difference. <laughs> no, I meant the actual color of the module is different. I know. Well, I'm just saying, you know, the import version from England. Like no. Valor is spelled with a U. No, no, no. The actual color of the module, Nick. Okay. Color, you know, like if it's something's orange. I know, I know. The Unless this is the person's camera, but the real one they list is brown, and the one for the import is like a bronzy orange color. Huh. Yeah. I don't know if maybe that's just the person's camera and it's really old. It's just interesting. Hmm. Yeah, they list the brown one, but there's two different colors here. I don't know why. 
Or you could buy it brand new for a total of $94.99. Um, no. <laughs> Collectible $17. Nah. That's kind of odd. Why would a collectible be seventeen and then a brand new one ninety four? That just doesn't. That make makes no sense. sense. It doesn't make no sense. You're right. Anyway, so that's that, and um, you could join us next week as we discover why someone made an Amazon list called "Old School Renaissance" but has Pathfinder listed as the book. What? <laughs> I swear! I swear to everything. It says "Old School Renaissance," and the first book there is. Pathfinder Core Rulebook. Okay, then. <laughs> Someone's confused or they've been drinking too much. Or that's just some sick joke. I don't know. <laughs> now, uh, join us next week, and we're going to be going over um, A3, just continuing along this path until we get to A4 uh, to cover it, because uh, people are enjoying the uh, modules as we're doing them. Yay! So uh, keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Night, everybody. See you later! Roll for initiative.